on guard. Pray. Ale. Welcome to the Tokyo 2020 Fencing Podcast. I'm Karen. Hi, I'm Dave. Hi, Dave. How are you doing? Yeah, doing well. Great weekend. Yeah, a triple header. Uh, but this episode, we're going to focus on men's epee. They were in Bern to start their season uh, at the first World Cup. Uh, before going into Bern, uh, in the team qualification for Tokyo 2020, France, Switzerland, Ukraine and Russia occupied the top four automatic qualification spots. And the zonal spots went to China, Italy, USA and Morocco. In Bern itself, Dave, France won the competition very strong. Uh, great comeback from the Italians finishing in second place and Ukraine beat Japan to the bronze medal. So let's go zone by zone. Let's start with um, Africa first. Uh, Morocco were there, but so were Egypt. What happened? Yeah, so the interesting thing about the African zone is not just the performance of Egypt or Morocco, but also both of them battling to get into the top 16. As you know, you can't go to the Olympic Games if you're not in the top 16 in the world. Uh, Morocco went out early, uh, lost to Kazakhstan, uh, but Egypt had a phenomenal day. Uh, they uh, upset Germany. Uh, I was actually at a World Cup in Germany uh, for the juniors, so everyone was quite upset about that. Uh, and then, and then uh, had another good win as well. They beat Estonia, finished fourteenth, um, and with a with a Cuban team that's missing, they didn't uh, didn't fence the uh, team event. That means Egypt move into the top sixteen and uh, take away that extra place and and start to ruin someone's day. So Egypt. Uh, sort of leapfrog Morocco by uh, virtue of their great performance then? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So their FIE ranks uh, 19, but uh, just taking into account uh, the competitions in the in the Olympic qualification period, they're 15th. So at this stage, they're, they're going to the Games. So good result for Egypt. What about the uh, Pan Am zone? Uh, USA sitting in that uh, zonal qualification spot at the moment, and they looked to me from the results like they were the best of the Pan American teams. Yeah, there's no real competition for the Americans. I mean, they didn't have a good day. I mean, they'll they'll be the first ones to say that they'd be disappointed by a loss to China. Um, they just haven't quite got it together. But they did what they needed to do. They had a one hit win over the, the Netherlands in the in the 32, which is critical. Uh, but none of the competitors really did anything. Um, you know, Canada got beaten comfortably by Ukraine, as you say. Cuba's not there. Uh, they're not quite the finished product yet, the USA men's epee team. But that's enough. Yeah, it looks like uh, they will be going to Tokyo 2020 because the challenge just doesn't seem to be there for uh, the USA team. But they're going to have to uh, polish their boots a little bit more shiny uh, to have a chance of medals in the men's team epee event, I fear. So on to Asia. Uh, Both Japan and Korea finished above China in Bern, Dave. Are China under threat here? I think the the Asian... Uh, zonal place is going to be fascinating for the uh, for the entire qualification race. Um, obviously, we came into the event with China uh, leading after a very strong world championships and obviously being Asian champions. Uh, they had a, a bit of a rough start to the day. They only got up over uh, Argentina by 45-44. Uh, so that could have gone wow. that could have gone really badly um, early. But then otherwise had a, had a pretty good day, you'd say. So um, got up, uh, uh, beat, beat the USA 45-39. Um, couldn't quite get past a very strong, a very strong French team, uh, losing in the quarterfinal. Um, and I think the interesting thing was that you know Japan had a very good day. So uh, reversing that controversial World Championships match with a uh, great win against Israel, and then going on uh, Japan going on to beat the home team Switzerland. 
ultimately finishing fourth and they're doing a bit of a, a good job catching up. Um, the real interesting match in the placement um, was then uh, China and Korea meeting in the fifth place playoff. Uh, Korea winning that one, and what that does is that reduces the uh, Chinese lead to only two points. So it's getting very tight at the top there. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, I mean, look, the Japanese, I think, are a very exciting team on the piste. And, of course, they have the uh, opportunity to use host nation paces should they not qualify in men's epee. And uh, I think it would be a shame not to have uh, the Japanese men's epee team uh, at Tokyo 2020. But to be honest with you, Dave, my, my, my question is, look, Hughes Obrey doing a great job uh, with the Chinese team, both men and women. But what's happened to South Korea? Why are they in this struggle? Because 12 months ago, they looked like they were absolutely world class. Yeah, I mean, I referee these I referee these guys a lot. Um, and they're certainly one of those teams that you always expected to see on the podium. Um, and, you know, regular medals. And it just, just hasn't been happening. They've just been losing these last eight matches again and again. Um, and, you know, not, not being Asian champions as well, that, that, that hurts you. Uh, yeah, yeah, but just two just two points behind uh, China now. So, uh, like you say, uh, the Asian battle in men's epee team is looking like one that will continue for some time to come. So let's let's move on to to Europe. Um, France, they are the team to beat for me. Uh, Italy look like they're right back on form as well. But Russia went out in the round of sixteen. How's that affected things? I think it's, it's the interesting thing is for, for Russia is that they're really they're benefiting from the other European teams being so strong. So we've got a full European lock in the um, in the in the first four places: so France, Switzerland, Ukraine, Italy, and they're all looking like they're probably good enough to stay there. They're opening up quite a nice gap. They're regularly scoring points, and, and fundamentally, they're all good teams. So now, even though Russia, I mean, they keep losing. They lost to Poland this time, but you know, it was someone else in Paris, and it was someone else at World Championships. It's it's just they can't quite get it together. But they are European champions, so they picked up a lot of points there. Um, and it's almost that Hungary just can't quite get it going. And then Israel and Denmark have had mixed seasons after, you know, moments of, of you know, individual team brilliance. There's just no real competitors. The, what could be really interesting is if China pick up another couple of medals or South Korea pick up another couple of medals, move an Asian team up into the top four, mm. then Russia are in real trouble. Um or if Hungary take them on, but that that Hungarian well, team, that, that, yeah, yeah, that's the thing for me. Hungary, I think, are uh, I don't want to call them sleeping giants because they're 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 very they're a very strong group of fences, and they're only twenty five points behind. If my maths is correct, I think they could be a threat to Russia. Yeah, they're a young team. I'd say that's what you'd say about you'd say about the, the the Hungarians, and so obviously you know you've got if you've got the world champion in your in your team that puts you at a, a significant advantage. But um, you know they lost you know losing we had Gabor Boschko, Peter Somfai, um, uh, Gezer Imre uh, after the after the Olympic Games. You know so I thought I thought this year would do this this four years would be a rebuilding season for the Hungarian team. So it's good to see them up there. Um, I just it's. You know, you need a bit of experience, like, and that's what you see with you know the differentiation between them and the, the Ukrainian team, for example, that's got a couple of, let's say, older heads combined with some younger, amazing fences like uh, Svitska, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit more balanced, whereas I say that Hungarian team is still very young, um, so it's a bit, bit, bit harder for them. I think it's going to be. 
Uh, I think, yeah, the real risk is it goes the other way and it's not a full European top four and then Russia in real trouble. Well, it was great to see Italy back on form uh, and uh, I think they will go on from strength to strength under Sandro Cuomo. Uh, so I, I think they will probably stay in that top four. I, I tend to agree with you. So the situation in the team uh, qualification after Bern is that Italy have moved up into the top four with France, Switzerland and Ukraine. Russia have dropped out of those automatic spots, but are still the leading European team along with China for the Asian spot, USA for the Pan American spot and Egypt just inside the top 16 in the Olympic rankings, uh, will hold the place, uh, or take the place, I should say, from Morocco. In terms of the individual competition, those additional individual spots, before uh, Bern, it was Gergely Siklosi of Hungary and Bas Vavayan of the Netherlands who held the two European spots. The two Asian spots went to uh, Masaru Yamada and Park Sang-Yong. The one Pan-American spot was with Ruben Lomado Gascon and the one African spot was with Ahmed Al-Sagir. In Bern, Igor Reislin had a fantastic day. He won the tournament, the Ukrainian. Uh, Vadim Anakin from Russia was in second place. Alexandra Bardenay from France, who seems to love these massive Epe tournaments. I remember he did very well in uh, Heidenheim last year and uh, he, he picked up a bronze along with Roman Schwitzkar of Ukraine. Ukraine had a great day. Uh, in fact, they had a great weekend. But Dave, how has that affected uh, the individual status for Olympic qualification? I mean, the standout, the standout performance was clearly Hassan El Khord from Morocco. Um, he's a you know young young fencer, only twenty six, training at uh, Le Valois in Paris. Um, made the eight, which I'm sure is his best result um, ever, uh, and that now puts him comfortably as the best African fencer, better than uh, better than all the. Uh, Egyptian fences. I know currently they're in the, the team qualified ranking, but he's now got a bit of a gap. He now looks, you know, comfortably like he's he's the best fencer uh, out of that zone. So whether Morocco can get up there or Egypt qualifies a team or none, uh, he's now put a marker down saying, "Hey, I'm 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 going as an individual." And in terms of. Uh... Europe and Asia, it's still Siklosi uh, and Vavayan for Europe and uh, Yamada and Park uh, for the Asian zone. And Ruben Lomado Gascon uh, holds that Pan American spot. So the big mover and shaker was uh, Hussam El Khord uh, moving up into that qualification spot, the additional spot for uh, an African fencer. So the the, it, the the team is really where it's all at at the moment, I think, um, and uh, that is that is probably the best summary we can give after the first World Cup for the men's EPS. But Dave, we um, we asked the audience to get involved, and crikey, they have got involved. We've got a load of questions, uh, but I've I've picked one. Uh, it's from Reddit from D Port, and Dave, he's asked. Uh, if uh, a country qualifies a team for Tokyo 2020, what happens to their individuals? Do they automatically fence? Yeah, so it's uh, it's it's going to be entirely the discretion of that uh, that country. So that they'll have their own um, uh, internal qualification process. Uh, but basically, if you qualify as a team, you get uh, you get the right to enter three fences into the individual as well. So they don't need to be the same fences that have been fencing uh, the team events all year. Uh, they can be, to be honest, anyone you like. But uh, yeah, typically, you know, there'll be an internal ranking system or internal selection or something like that to uh, to work it out. 
Okay, so the qualified team, you get three uh, individual spots, but teams tend to have four fences, don't they? Yeah, yeah, so exactly. It's a good point. So we now have, um, yeah, so we have, it's a bit different. So obviously the, the biggest constraint that we have at the Olympic Games is uh, warm bodies. So rather than, you know, we have 12 medals, but about the same number of fences. So what you tend to have now is a, a provisional uh, accreditation for your fourth fencer. Um, and they, uh, they you know, have a, a limited access, should we say, uh, to, to the areas, typically the training areas and, and the venue, but without some of the perks like the Olympic Village. Uh, and that uh, if they come in and it's sort of, oh, it's a one-off switch, uh, none of this swapping back in and out like you can do in regular competitions, uh, then you swap over the Olympic accreditation as well. Okay, so if a team goes to the Olympic Games... Three of their fences from the team will fence in the individual. The fourth fencer sits outside the Olympic Village. Yep. What happens if the team decide not to use them as a reserve or a substitute? Will, will they get an Olympic medal or not? Uh, not as far as I'm aware. And they they would, may change these rules on us at the last minute. But as far as I'm aware, if you don't fence, you're not considered to be an Olympian and you are not awarded a medal. But that could change. Wow. That's... Uh... That would be uh, very, very painful, I would imagine, for anyone that travels as the fourth member of any team. But great question, Deport. Uh, and do keep your questions coming in. We will uh, try and do a few more. But this weekend, it's a triple header. Uh, we focused on, in this episode, episode nine, just on men's epee, but we will be recording episodes for Foil and for Sabre because there have been events this weekend. But Dave, I, I know you like to thank the audience, as I do, but... Um, what about our supporters? How are they getting on? Yeah, doing well, doing well. Have lots of lots of feedback and lots of um, uh, lots of likes and shares on on the Facebook page, Instagram, and Reddit, which is great. Um, and then, uh, yeah, super keen to get a few more uh, uh, Patreon uh, supporters as well. So, um, you know, the links all on the website. So if you can, uh, if you can, if you can spare a couple of dollars a month to keep our uh, our costs uh, under control, then that'd be greatly appreciated. Quite right. Thank you to all of you that are already supporting us. Dave, uh, Men's Epe moves on where and when? Uh, so next one, the Wimbledon of fencing. We're going to go to Heidenheim uh, in January, early January. Yeah, 10th to the 12th of January, a bumper weekend for international fencing, that's for sure. Uh, but Dave, thank you very much. Thanks, Bash. And thank you to all of you for listening to our podcast. Thank you.